Prepare to be astonished. It's that time again. Let's get started. From the Clatsop County Historical Society, an adventure in history with Matt Burns and Alana Quila. You should never be allowed to talk to people. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. And now, with today's adventure, it's Mac and Alana. Good evening, and welcome to an adventure in history. We are so happy that you're joining us tonight. And, and welcome to December. Yeah, which it is December. <laughs> wow, that one snuck up on me. The whole year. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's just gone. Yeah, it's, it's almost I, gone. <laughs> I, I, think, I think it's because COVID slowed everything down. Mm-hmm. So the last couple of years have just been... Yeah. Sound effects there. I snapped my fingers. Yep. I heard it. <laughs> it's been really fast. It, yeah. At least it feels like it. Yep. We're so. just eating and drinking our way through these last few months too, right? <laughs> eating and drinking. <laughs> That's funny. So uh, um, we already talked about Thanksgiving. Yes. It was lovely. I don't think we have anything else to talk about there. No. I'm done eating turkey finally. <laughs> yes. It took a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, let's see. Tea and plum pudding. Tea and plum pudding. Yeah. Um, so Happening. every every weekend in December. I love it. And then the uh, 26th through the 30th. Reservations? If you have a large group. Okay. We do get a lot of phone calls for just like two people. And we're like, no, just come just on show in. Up. And if it's <laughs> somehow full, then tour the house and we'll yell your name out when it's when it's your time. One to four, you got to be out of the house at three at four o'clock. So you should come in by like three. Three o'clock. Okay, because you realistically an hour or so to eh, most people. I think spend about half an hour. How long did Mark and the kids take last year? They took an hour. Did they really? Yep. Or or longer? Because <laughs> does the tour? Do you get the tour with? It's a self guided tour. You just go okay. through at your own speed. Right, but with the tea and plum pudding. Oh, uh, so he, you're saying an hour for the entire experience? No, they stay. I'm just asking you. Like, do you when you pay for the tea and plum pudding? Are mm. you getting you get the you get entrance to the house? Perfect. So yep. you can do the tour, do any of that during that whole time. Of course. Okay. Yeah. Well, then you need longer than an hour, yeah. hour and a half. Well, see, I think most people kind of sit for about a half an hour. Eating okay. The, eat, eat the, they'll have the plum pudding. You only get one serving, and then multiple cups of tea usually. <laughs> so people sit and chat. And, yeah, and maybe that's three tour. cups. Okay. So maybe you're sitting there. I always figure for about a half an hour, maybe. And it's delightful, and you can get dressed up or not. You don't have to. We do have some people to come in costume. It's always kind of fun. Oh, costume even. Yeah, well, you know, the time period appropriate. Okay. I mean, I know my kids dressed up. Mm-hmm. Like, they got on their holiday fair, and it was a... Which is good, because I think <laughs> they act a little better, right, when they're dressed yes. up. And <laughs> so they knew it was a big deal, and they were not at a children's event. But now, aren't your kids always... Well behaved. Always, always. Aren't they little angels? <laughs> yes. <laughs> little darlings. <laughs> Didn't wasn't that when Carly told us she had sat on the beds and we're like, no, <laughs> no sitting on the beds. <laughs> We'd kick her out if we saw it. Oh my goodness, she would be mortified. But she's so honest, right? She said it and <laughs> never did, did it again. That's right. Yeah, didn't she admit it on the, air, she did. On the radio show yes. last year? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. She she didn't know and. And, and after, yeah, she learned her lesson. <laughs> and of course, I'd be remiss if I did not say the uh, the wonderful sponsor for Tea and Plum Pudding for the pla- past uh, 97 years, I think. <laughs> Providence Seaside Hospital. We appreciate Yay. that. So, because Tea and Plum Pudding keeps you healthy. That's right. The <laughs> act of going out and socializing and interacting. Ooh, well-being. It's Health a, and well-being. Exactly. Which is good. There yeah. we go. Okay, so you have a uh, word of the day you're bringing I, back? I do. I like this one, and I think this one's going to be easy to bring back. Ooh. Betweenity. Betweenity. 
Yes. Is it, see, it's I already like, fun. I like saying it already. Betweenity. Okay, I think that is a, uh, obviously the word between is in there. Mm-hmm. So I think it is going to be something that happens in between two other things. For the first time ever, Mac, you are correct. It's being in the middle or between two things. Okay. Which I think was replaced with the word between. Okay. Right? Betweenity. But betweenity. I'm I'm betweenity. Um so he was in a state of perfect betweenity, faced with the choice of pizza or Chinese food. Ooh, okay. See, I was gonna use it like my my sister, I am the younger brother and she has an older brother. So there's three of us, and she's... Betweenity. Betweenity. Yep, it's, it's a noun. two brothers. So that's correct. Interesting. Yes. Betweenity. Betweenity. That is fun I to like say. I like that one. All right. So the uh, the big history uh, highlights, the things that happen tomorrow, December 4th. Are we ready? I'm ready. All right. And I didn't. I don't have any to like quiz you on. I thought about it, but uh, 1783, George Washington bids farewell to his officers. Oh. Goodbye. I'm done. He says, finally. I'm, I'm going home. Uh, 1844, James Knox Polk is elected U.S. president. Oh, there we go. The 39th best president we've ever had. <laughs> 39th. There we go. <laughs> He's a little low on the James list. James Knox. I don't know that I knew his middle, middle name. name. Nobody no. ever knows Okay. Him. Although they do use James K. Polk a lot, I think, okay. when you're like just talking about presidents. Okay. So, the middle initial. All right. Um, you know, I think one of the things to be a good president, I think you need good initials. Oh, there we go. FDR. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Harry S. Truman. G-dub. Yeah. W, right. (laughs) Um, Well, see, he just went by W. W. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. 1917. We've talked about this before, and I can't remember in what context, if it was the history highlight of the day or not. But uh, 1917, psychiatrist reports on the phenomena of shell shock. Right. I saw that. I didn't do a deep dive on it. I kind of think that it might have been my history highlight once. Okay. But I suspect it wasn't on this particular day that there was some other thing about shell shock. Because I do remember talking about it. Right. And it's obviously a very real thing. PTSD, right, yeah. is the reference. that it's. And, and, yeah. and 1917, that late. Right. Why didn't we learn this after right. the Civil War or something else? Well, or even when we did learn it, it still was so incredibly difficult to treat or diagnose or talk about, right? I mean... Mm-hmm. Do you think people just kept it in? Oh, yeah. And that's yes. one of the reasons it was diagnosed, because like our whole stigma of mental illness, and nobody wants to talk about mental illness until the last right. 10, 15, 20 years, maybe, tops. And even still, it's still difficult, right, yeah. to, to admit that it's not a problem, it's a mm-hmm. disease or an issue. Yeah. yeah. So I just mentioned Civil War. Mm-hmm. And little side note, because you are a football fan. I am. So when the Civil War is mentioned to you, oh. what do you <laughs> think of? You know, we were just talking about that a couple of weeks ago during the not civil war anymore <laughs> between Oregon and Oregon State. <laughs> but, I mean, th- it potentially could have been their last football game, <laughs> too, between Oregon and Oregon State. So I, I think that, that the term civil war mm-hmm. between those two is going to die pretty quickly. I was, I was sitting at a rotary meeting last week, and one of my dining companions was chatting with one of my other dining companions and mentioned watching the football game and, and civil war and will it ever... And I went, oh, 
Oh, you thought they were talking I, about I, the and war. And then I immediately said, you know, I'm sorry. The historian in me, when, it, when you mentioned the word civil war. And whether it would happen again. The first into my head. <laughs> You're like, oh, my goodness. I hope yeah. not. <laughs> so, anyway, um, everybody kind of laughed at me. Yes. Um, 1954. I thought about having this one as a uh, guess the date. The first Burger King is opened. Oh, 1954. Okay, 1954. The 50s. And do you know where? Oh, man. It's the other reason I picked this one. Indianapolis. Miami, Florida. Oh, Miami. How fun. Is there still like an original Burger King there? I have no idea. Is there a location? No idea. I don't, I mean. If not, I'm disappointed in Burger King. (laughs) They should have kept like, this is the original. This is the first one. The original one. Hmm. I'll have to look that one up. You know, I I went to Wichita State University in uh, Kansas, and we have on the campus there the very first Pizza Hut. Oh, interesting. Yeah. The very first. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it was it in a little hut or? It was kind of a brick building. Okay. And it was moved onto the campus, but it was in Wichita, Kansas that it started. So okay. uh, at some point, like the whole business department embraced Pizza Hut as a model and blah, 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 blah. And eventually sure. the Pizza Hut was moved to the campus and you can drive past it. It's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's still there. So I'm disappointed in Burger King. If you cannot drive past in Miami, Florida, the very first Burger King. All right, 1991, hostage Terry Anderson is freed in Lebanon after 2,454 days in captivity. Man. (laughs) (laughs) So what always amazes me about these things, A, that they kept him alive for that long. Yes. And B, that he still has hope throughout this. I mean, it's one thing if you have a prison term, I guess, and you know, okay, in 30 years, maybe I get paroled. But to be just held captive for that long my mind cannot wrap itself around that right from either perspective either the the people that took him hostage or he is the hostage yep shell shock yeah well there you go all right but our history highlight of the day thing i think had the most impact on history 1867 this is december 4th 1867 former minnesota farmer oliver hudson kelly organizes the Grange, which becomes a powerful political force among Western farmers. Though he grew up in Boston, Kelly decided in his uh, early 20s that he wanted to become a farmer. In 1849, he booked passage on a steamboat for St. Paul, Minnesota. So I was surprised it started in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you just assume like Kansas, Iowa? Right. Something like that. Uh, Though the Minnesota area was dominated more by the... uh, Uh, Native American trade than farming, Kelly shrewdly saw that the future of the region lay in agriculture, and he proved to be skilled and a progressive farmer. He gained uh, local fame for boldly experimenting with new crops, installing an elaborate irrigation system, and buying one of the first mechanical reapers in the state. His attempts at scientific farming and a series of columns he wrote for national newspapers brought him national recognition. Uh, In 1864, he won a prestigious clerking position under the Federal Commissioner of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. While on a tour of southern farms in 1866, Kelly was struck by the warm reception he received from his fellow Masons in the South, despite the otherwise pervasive dislike of Northerners, speaking of Civil War, left over from the Civil War. Hmm. Determined to develop a national organization to unify farmers he returned to washington and gathered a group of like-minded friends in 1867 these men became the founders of the order of the patrons of husbandry better known as the grange interesting i love grange 
Isn't that fun? Yeah, that's so, a good one. Did I miss anything? You did miss one, and this one barely <gasps> oh, makes my no. cutoff. But wow. December 4th, uh, 2009, I always have that little asterisk. Yes. 22-year-old American exchange student Amanda Knox is convicted of murdering her British roommate, uh, Meredith Kircher. Um, back in 2007. So Knox received a 26-year pre- uh, prison sentence. Her 25-year-old ex-boyfriend also was con- convicted as well. It was very high profile because she was from, do you recall what college? I don't. She was attending University of Washington. Oh. And was wasn't on- this in Italy? Um, it, wa- it was in, yes. Yeah, okay. In Italy. So she was an exchange student, and, and this is when this happened. And, and nobody disputes that the, the roommate was brutally murdered. I mean, mm-hmm. brutally and then also that Knox and her boyfriend do not recall exactly what happened because of the drugs that they were using. Oh. Hard to create a defense, too, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't remember. Um, but what I find most interesting is, so she served several years of that term. And then at one point, um, she, they, they re- did a, a subsequent trial. And she wasn't found not guilty, but she was acquitted. Mm-hmm. She left immediately. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Yes, I would. <laughs> In Italy, they can retry you oh. as many times as they want. Just keep trying until they, they get you. They can keep doing it. So a 24-year-old Knox then um, was retried in her absence, but mm. her same lawyers, her lawyers went there. Um, or no, in 2013, they retried her again and then also reconvicted in the death. She was sentenced to 28 and a half years at this point and her boyfriend, 25 years. So less. Each time was less. She got mm-hmm. the, the higher ones. Well, time served. Appealed <laughs> the convictions. Both were exonerated in 2015. Wow. But it could happen again. It they could, could again. be. I mean, I, I found that an interesting use of the word exonerated because mm-hmm. exonerated truly sort of means you are at that point found not guilty is Here, what yeah. I think um, you're so so I, I like the defense of we were on drugs we don't know what happened <laughs> yeah. not I didn't do it that's the very simply simplified well, version of it, of it but it, rem- it, it reminds yeah. me I, I wrote an article for a magazine called sagacity that was printed in Wichita Kansas about mm-hmm. a guy named Rowdy Joe Lowe and the title of my article was too drunk to recall <laughs> Because in the Delano, the the unsavory part of Wichita where guns were allowed, he, and I don't remember the year, 1870-something, 1880-something, he uh, gets drunk. He'd been in an argument with another guy, and he goes out from the saloon and shoots him dead in the street. Tons of witnesses. But when he's being brought up on charges, the judge asks, did you do it? And he goes, I don't know. I'm too drunk to recall. (laughs) And they exonerated him. Oh, oh, interesting. Even though there were lots of witnesses. Right. The other guy was pretty nasty, and people obviously hated him more than they hated <laughs> Rowdy Joe Lowe, but especially with the name Rowdy right. Joe Lowe. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Saw, people saw it, but so, they yeah. they decided it was self-defense. Okay. Well, because that, the guy had been picking on him, and right. they argued, and then he goes out, but he, he clearly goes out and shoots him. Yeah. Well, that so. can go towards intent, right? Yeah. If you truly the, you don't know the intent of the person. Yeah. Yeah. So. So apparently it's good to be uh, no, called, Mac. Up, called up on murder in Wichita, Kansas <laughs> yeah, okay. in the 1880s. Make sure you're drunk. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's your best bet of getting off. Okay, so today's all about rabbit holes. I love rabbit holes. Betweenity. <laughs> I, this is the betweenity of the st- of stories. It is. I went down a huge rabbit hole getting ready for the show mm-hmm. because I like the Grange mm-hmm. and the fact that Grange was the Granges were created on on tomorrow and i thought well obviously Clatsop county has a bunch of granges so i went on to our website 
which is uh, loyal listeners know, but I'll tell you anyway, www.astoriamuseums.org. And under the Explore button, up on the top banner, you click on that, and on the right you'll see a, a whole category called Collections, and there's a whole bunch of things right there on the screen. You don't have to click again yet. Under Collections, you'll see Internet Archive. Okay. And I clicked on that, and that goes to this huge digitization project that we're doing, making our collections accessible to the world. I love it. You don't have to come into the archives. You don't have to call mm-hmm. us. You can just go to our website. Free. And mm-hmm. you can look through so much. <laughs> and that's the rabbit hole I went down. So I, I went on there, and I just typed Grange under word search. <laughs> and there were so many things that came up. It was kind of overwhelming. Um, I don't even know how many. I was looking for, had we ever written a Cumtux article about the Granges of Clatsop County? Mm-hmm. And I still don't quite know the answer to that question. Because I went down a really long didn't rabbit hole. Find it. So I found a ton of things, and I thought we'd just talk about some of those things okay. that we found. So I found like the Natel Grange meeting minutes from 1910 to 1915. They were handwritten. It's beautiful. And I thought, well, maybe I'll get something there. But that document was 146 pages Gosh. long. <laughs> wow. So if you want to know about the Natel Grange uh, between 1910 and 1915. There's 146 pages you, on our website you can look through. Do you remember, so for meeting minutes, about how many pages, like was it one page per meeting or did some go on and on? Did you click through a couple of them? I did not actually pay attention to it. Okay. Like, is each one like five pages? How often right. were they meeting? Yeah. Is it weekly or monthly? I was just overwhelmed by that and I went, <gasps> and I clicked out of it very fast. Okay. Something called the Oregon State Grange Tableau Handbook. Yeah, I don't know what that was. There were lots of drawings in it, though. Oh, interesting. Um, and then also collections of the Peace Lutheran Church. There were funeral pamphlets, obituaries, and worship service bulletins. And this is the problem I did with word search. Because lots of people were members of the Grange, right? And it's mentioned in their obituaries or their <laughs> funeral services. So, oh, how interesting. Yeah, that, that didn't help. Um, there was, let's see, what's this say? Um, Sylvia Winters Blair scrapbook from 1937. Tons of scrapbooks. Oh, In fact, I, I'd written this one down when I found it, but then I stopped because okay. there, were, there were at least a dozen other people's family scrapbooks right. that have come to us that we've scanned and are now accessible. I love that. That's And that's uh, also accessible to their family too, right? But I, I digress. Yeah. So did, city directories, phone books. There was another scrapbook about uh, the regatta circa 1958-64. On page 26, it says, the three dances will be held at Pacific Grange by the Clam Diggers. <laughs> page 30, visiting square dancers will be welcomed Saturday night, August 20th with free trail dances. The dancers will travel from one dance site to another, including Pacific Grange with the 99ers, Clam Diggers, and Driftwood Steppers as host. At Fernhill Hall with Oregon Stars hosting and at the Naval Reserve Hall with the Hay Shakers in charge. Page 82. Serving will be done by the women of Church and Service Clubs, the Theta Row Girls of Warrington, and the Pythian Sisters in centennial costumes will serve at four of the long tables. Mrs. Fred Slanger and her 4-H girls of the Jewel Grange will decorate tables on Thursday. So this is part of my mistake in word search yeah. for Grange instead of <laughs> in like our metadata. That would have made it a little more narrowed down. Could have, yes. Um, so tons of newspapers. I love this, though. Um, 1902, the Astorian semi-weekly newspaper, the Daily Messenger from June 20th, 1933, the Astorian Daily Budget, 
Volume 28, December 1st through the 31st, 1908. The Columbia River Gill Netter. We have a bunch of those. Yeah, uh, the spring 94. One. The 1888 Daily Morning Astorian, January 20th. I mean, just, just a long list. And of course, some of those were probably advertisements. Right? Like, hey, this dance coming up at the Grange. But still, obviously, a huge part of our community at the time, including yearbooks. The 1960 Blue Jay, Jewel High School, 1926 and 29 Astoria High School, the Zephyrus. Um, then there's the Rain Magazine, 2006, 2015, numerous copies of the Scandinavian Midsummer Festival, dozens more scrapbooks, um, a book called The Living Treasures of Clatsop County by Jim Bergeron and Larry Johnson. Are people writing this down at home now? Because I feel like some of these topics are going to be like, oh my gosh, I want to read more on just it, that. And really, I mean, this is, it's it's worse than crack cocaine yeah. or something. I mean, you can get in there and just start word searching your family name, your, your street, and you're going to find so many things. So basically, and, we're just giving an entire show just about um, teasers. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> um, one of my favorites that I found that was just, oh, that Living Treasures book. Yeah. Um, that was just about different individuals. Oh, and of course, like the obituary. So. Living Treasures. Involved, oh, nice. You know, so-and-so was involved in the Grange at such-and-such such place. Um, but I like the Clat this little booklet that we found, the Clatsop County Civil Defense Operations Plan for 1959. It mentions emergency lodging resources, and they just it's just in like a, this, this outline, and it just says emergency locations for gathering uh, include schools, churches, Grange halls, etc. cetera. <laughs> <laughs> Made the cut, though. It did. Uh, June 1949, there's a soil survey in Astoria area, Oregon, and it was put out by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Um, this huge document. Yeah. And With the grains. Yeah. Obviously, I didn't really dig this deep into it. Dig deep in soil. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's probably just listed as a look past the grange in Olney or something like that. Yeah. But it's this strange document that all of a sudden... If I'd had tons of time, I probably would have sat you there and read it. through it a little well, bit. Well, here's one that I think people will like. It's called Sharing Our Best, the only Grange cookbook from 1995. It's 174 pages with such delicious entrees, including down-home cube steak, potato Romanoff, hombre hash, upside-down hamburger pie, eggplant balls, and congealed beet salad, along with a favorite Oregon prune cake. <laughs> <laughs> those are just some highlights. Yeah, this is 1995. 95. <laughs> I bet some of those recipes are pretty old. But uh, I liked ombre hash, yeah. so that kind of made me laugh. But also, it did include a little history of the Olney Grange, the Olney Grange Hall in its present location, about nine miles east of Astoria on Highway 202. Current membership for 1995 is 164 and welcoming new members. The original hall was built in the present location in November 1932 with a membership of 41. The hall burned down following a dance on October 8, 1933, but with the determination of the members and other supporting granges, the hall was reconstructed and ready for their first meeting in November 1934. The Grange became incorporated on April 28, 1932, and on July 15, 1939, Otto's and Marie Hines deeded the land to the Olney Grange. In the earlier days of the hall, there were many dances held for fundraising. Presently, we do several fundraisers. Our largest is the annual beef barbecue, which is normally held the month of September. Have you ever been? To the Olney Grange? No. To and the I beef barbecue? Oh, no. I want to go. I've been to the Brownsmead Corn Feed. I know. I was going to say the Corn Feed <laughs> is pretty popular, right? But now I want to go. I, I yeah. need to go. I've decided when I read this, I was like, I need to go. <laughs> Jeez, how long have they been doing this? Since well before 95. Yeah. So there were tons of Cumtux articles, of course. Yeah. And that's, that's what I thought I would find, like, instantly. And, um, but just but too I, many. I, there, were, there was nothing that was going to be 
radio length. <laughs> and as I began to panic, one of the things I did see in one of the issues that said it had something about the Grange, I did see a short piece on the uh, the Doughboy Monument. Nice. And I thought, well, I better take this one down in case I can't find anything about the Grange. So in our time left, we're going to talk about the Doughboy okay. Monument. Yeah. So that was a huge rabbit hole and my, my horrible train of thought that I've just shared with everybody. <laughs> so the uh, this is an article that we published in 2006 uh, written by Robert Utzinger. Okay. Uh, daily, hundred if not thousands of motorists and pedestrians hurrying along Astoria's West Marine Drive past uh, past the by the Doughboy Monument without giving any thought to its significance. As noted officially in identical plaques on each side of the monument, Soldiers Monument dedicated to the soldiers of World War of Clatsop County by the City of Astoria, July twenty first, nineteen twenty six. The dedication occurred in the evening with the reported attendance of 5,000 people. The commander of the American Legion and Mayor O.B. Setters gave speeches. It was a proud day for the citizens of Astoria. The 10-foot-high statue depicts a U.S. Army soldier of the 1st Infantry Division in full field equipment. Tin hat, pack, gas mask, and arms. He stands erect in a vigorous, triumphant pose, his rifle with fixed bayonet tossed about his head in an upstretched hand. The title of the statue is Over the Top at Cantony. The Battle of Cantony, May 28, 1980, was the first offensive... 1918. 1918. Did I say 80? You did. 1918, thank you. Was the first offensive action of the war by American troops, resulting in the capture of strongly fortified village at a cost of 1,067 American casualties. The American Legion purchased or furnished a plaque for installation under the bronze barbed wire at the base of the statue reading... Doughboy Over the Top at Cantony, presented to the city of Astoria by Clatsop Post 12, American Legion. The money necessary for the purchase of the bronze statue was secured in an abbreviated solicitation when a committee from the American Legion and the Chamber of Commerce raised $1,400 in subscriptions in a single afternoon. That's amazing. That's pretty good. The committee included uh, Neil Morfitt and S.J. Halson of the Legion and A.W. Norblad and G.A. Hilberg of the Chamber. Mr. Hilberg, who owned a drugstore across the street from the monument, personally secured $300 of the amount. The committee secured the subscription quietly without any publicity campaign or solicitation drive. The entire amount was subscribed by the canneries and people of West Astoria. None of the merchants or businesses of other portions of the hmm. city were asked to contribute to the fund. The donation list was lengthy and was featured by the generous subscription from the Union Fishermen's Co-op Packing Company, the Columbia Rivers Packers Association, the Anderson Fish Company, and the Sanborn Cutting Company. After some prodding by the Legion, the city provided a 40 by 70 foot triangular vacant property at the newly improved intersection of West Bond, Columbia, and Taylor Avenue as the site for the monument, now Bond, Columbia, and Marine Drive. And also newly improved. Yes, indeed. <laughs> the city retained C.T. Diamond Architect to develop plans for a building which has dual purposes. First, to provide a public comfort station and second, to provide the foundation and support for the statue. The estimated cost of the structure was $3,200. The handsome building envisioned by Diamond and erected by the city was exceptionally graceful design. 
The building dimensions are 39 by 19 feet with main entrances from the east and west. It rises about 10 feet above the surface and extends 4 feet below, giving it a total height of 14 feet. The architect specified walls of cream-colored California stucco and a room a roof of uh, variegated red tiling. Hmm. Rising above is a central octagonal, uh, octagonal-shaped dome which supports the base of the statue. The plans show the sides of the octagon inset with cask gratings back with uh, blue glass. Over the years, some alterations, mostly cosmetic in nature, have been made, but the main features of the monument are essentially as initially conceived. The World War I memorial has been a landmark in West Astoria for almost 100 years. Its construction was grand and noble patriotic gesture by the citizens of Astoria and the members of the Klatsa Post Number 12 of the American Legion. The soldiers whose service and sacrifice was memorialized by the Doughboy Monument deserve and are entitled to the respect and admiration of succeeding generations. So, have you been in the? I like how they call it a public comfort station. The the public restroom. Because it's a bathroom. It was closed for a while, but I think it's open again. Yeah. I don't know if it's open or not right now, but. I think it is. It was a, It is a creative use of that whole space. I will say that. Yeah. So if you are bored and uh, want to go exploring, it's yes. astoriamuseums.org, O-R-G, and under the Explore column on the right, under the title of Collections, you'll see Internet Archive. Just click on that link, and then you can just enter all kinds of words and find all kinds of crazy things. Type whatever you want. <laughs> Have a great one. Thanks make, for listening. Go make some history. We'll catch you next week. Thank you for joining us for An Adventure in History. An Adventure in History is created and produced by the Clatsop County Historical Society and brought to you by KMUN.